Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are in the beautiful, lovely, bluegrass city of Lexington. Lexington, Kentucky, that is. Kentucky. We are here in a place where the bourbon is beautiful and the horses are fast. Today, we're going to be talking about bourbon and the dining scene here in Lexington. You can't come to Lexington without doing the horses, without doing Keeneland. That's the racetrack. There's a huge racetrack, very popular. Lexington is literally the horse capital of the world with more horse farms, horse thoroughbreds in the area, the racing culture, and everything is around horses and one other thing, bourbon. Today we're going to talk about bourbon and how it ties into the rest of the culture, including the wonderful dining scene here, the incredible dining scene here. It is so much more than grits. Let me tell you, there are so many, although I had my grits on several occasions, one of the things we're going to talk about is some of the different ways that I've never had grits before. We've got several great interviews today. We're going to start with Weta Michael. She owns several restaurants here in town and is involved in a lot of different projects. She is so fun to talk with. She's so innovative. She's got several restaurants, like Jed said, and a Culinary Institute grad. Then we're going to head out to Buffalo Trace Distillery, where we're going to talk with Harlan Wheatley, the master distiller. Okay, and we're going to have a little bourbon while we're there. We're going to talk with David Larson from Shaker Village, which was a fun place to go visit, and they also had some great food there. That's right, including the traditional recipe of the lemon shaker pie. Finally, we're going to talk with Jonathan Lundy, who is the Jonathan in Jonathan at Gratz Park, which is a really fun restaurant where they take a lot of the very traditional dishes and give them a new spin. Yes, a real nouveau menu took some things that I had heard of but had never had them in that way. So we're going to talk a little bit about that with Jonathan. So much to do, eat, and drink on this episode. Before we get to all of that, we're first going to do Hot Topics in Travel. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Make sure that you check us out on our website, TravelBrigade.com, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. What's hot? What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show here in Kentucky in the city of Lexington, feeling that southern hospitality, and of course, eating and drinking our way through this episode on food and bourbon here in Lexington. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up with chefs from around here, master distillers, a lot of good stuff to get to, but first we want to do hot topics and travel. I'm not going to make you wait to talk about this one because that's what this one is about, is having to wait. I hate waiting. Don't you especially hate waiting when you've been on a long flight and you get to the airport and then you have to wait to go through customs? I have to admit, I'm having flashbacks of my last JFK experience. We had a a JFK experience that not only broke my heart, it broke my spirit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, anyway, tell us about Hot Topics because that's like a whole episode in and of itself. The U.S. Travel Association has told the government, hey, you're going to lose $95 billion, with a B over the next five years because people are coming to places like JFK, to Orlando, to these really busy airports where international travelers come into. And they're saying, this experience is so bad. I'm having to wait so long and fill out so much paperwork that I'm just not going to bother coming back. Actually, I can't say this from a non-U.S. citizen coming in, but I can say as a U.S. citizen, and I have to think twice about what airports I go in and out of just to go out of the country because I don't want to do it sometimes. The paperwork when you're a U.S. citizen is tough enough coming back, and I've seen people having to do it on the plane on flights we've been on, and the weights. What the Travel Association is telling the U.S. government is you should either hire more workers. Now, that's going to cost about $400 million a year, but compared to $95 billion, $400 million is a drop in the bucket. The last time we were in JFK, we actually got through the fast line, and I'm doing air quotes as I say that, because our layover was three hours away, and the fast line, we literally got to the gate, rushing, rushing to the gate and got there 20 minutes before our flight. That is a long entry into the U.S. Another option is electronic kiosks and the international carriers actually paid two million bucks for 32 of these to be installed in Chicago's O'Hare Airport and that helped bring down wait times by 30%. So that's a good investment both by the airlines, they've got a stake in this, and the government. I haven't had as many problems as I did recently. And part of it I know is that new wing that Delta has over at JFK because they're sharing it when they come in now. But I really think, yeah, they need to do a little work there. That is for sure. But enough of that. Let's talk about food and bourbon. Yeah, we've talked about how much we hate to wait. We're not going to make you wait any longer. Coming up, we're going to be talking with Weta Michael, who's a really interesting lady who's doing a lot in the Lexington food scene. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We'll be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you gotta eat. Next up, you gotta eat. Mmm, good. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We are here in Lexington, actually here at the Breadbox Building, which is one of the new innovative parts of town. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're actually eating as we speak. I was going to say my co-host Jeff Griffin today, except for my co-host right now, is some lamb poutine, some beer cheese, and some seafood papusas. All delicious. All too delicious to stop. Look, i got to get back to my plate. So I'm going to real quickly say that we are going to be talking with Weta Michael. Now, when we were asking around about food, Food and everything here in Lexington, everybody kept bringing up this name. Number one, we were intrigued because it is a unique name, but number two, because she owns a number of different restaurants. If you ask her, it's hard for her to figure out and say. Fine dining, bakery, <laughs> seafood restaurant. She's got her little baking hands in a lot of these pies in town. She's a Lexington native, grew up here, went to the CIA, Culinary okay. Institute of America. I'm going to say she doesn't spy on people. No, different, different okay. CIA. A foodie will know what the CIA is. And to tie into the whole bourbon culture, too, what you have to do here, she is the chef in residence at the Woodford Reserve. I think we just need to move in with Wita. Sounds really great. Well, Wita, we have a couple of questions for you. We want to talk about when people come to Lexington, this segment we usually on our show called You Gotta Eat because you have to eat when you're traveling about town. And we want to know a little bit about maybe some of the food people when they come to Lexington. I know probably a lot of people are thinking about grits or some southern type of food, but tell us some of the traditional foods that people can expect when they come here. And we're talking about traditional 
traditional foods in Lexington, it's hard for me. It's, I struggle sometimes with that question. But really, one of the top-selling traditional food items that we have are simple brown beans and cornbread, okay? So that's from the mountains. Kentucky's basically three regions, the east, the center, which where you guys are right now, which is horse country and bourbon country, and then the west. And the west is barbecue country. But here in Lexington, we eat a lot of brown beans. We have a great mill that's uh, seven generations old, so we eat a lot of brown beans and cornbread. Grits are very prevalent in the uh, cuisine. We sell a ton of grits. And biscuits, country ham, sorghum, blackberry jam, jam cake, sorghum cookies. All of these things are Kentucky, sort of iconic Kentucky foods, along with bourbon balls, which are uh, bourbon cream candy dipped in chocolate. Simply delicious. And then we have a a sandwich in Kentucky that we really like that we serve in the springtime at racing season called the Hot Brown, which is an open-faced turkey sandwich, cheese gravy on the top, bacon and tomato. Those are some of the more famous Kentucky foods. In the state of Kentucky, we have um, more family farms than almost every other state in the union. We're ranked fourth in the country for the number of family farms we have in Kentucky. And um, when the tobacco settlement came in, a lot of these farmers needed something else to grow. And we've been extremely successful in Kentucky in diversifying our agricultural base. So instead of just growing tobacco, we're growing hot peppers and broccoli and tomatoes and sweet potatoes and butternut squash. And people are raising lamb and all kinds of beef. And the agricultural sector of the economy is actually thriving in Kentucky. And I think one of the most exciting aspects of it in the last few years to see how the local food market is just booming. We've got cheese makers, honey makers, sorghum makers. It's exciting. It's a really exciting time to be a chef in Kentucky. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the restaurants that you have, but thinking about experiences that people can have when they come here and they come to Lexington, what are some of the not-to-miss dining opportunities for people when they come here? I think one thing that's really neat about Lexington right now is it offers a different kind of dining option kind of in every level. If you're going into fine dining uh, and you want to have a really elegant experience in Lexington, I would recommend, um, you know, Jonathan's at Gratz Park Inn, Dudley's Restaurant on Short, which is where I cut my teeth when I moved back here to Kentucky. So I have a special soft spot for that place. And then also, if you want a real traditional Kentucky experience with great fried chicken, you want to try the Merrick out on Tate's Creek Road. Fantastic. But there's a lot of really new, trendy places. Table 310, also just across the street from Dudley's, down there on Short Street. Killer bar, killer cocktails, tons of great bourbon selection, and also all small plates. And very urban feel. So there's a lot of new young people in Kentucky opening great food restaurants that are uh, hip and trendy. And then there's the old people like me kind of serving along the traditional favorites. In between bites here, really quickly, this is, everything is so good here. Tell us kind of how the bourbon culture and the food culture ties in here. You kind of have a foot in both camps working at one of the distilleries and then the restaurants. What is it about bourbon and food that go together so well? I moved to New York for a number of years, and when I came back in the early 90s, at that time, everybody thought bourbon killed food. And so I remember being a young chef coming back to Lexington, just being highly insulted that there'd be some lady at the bar at Dudley's drinking a, you know, double, eating my dinner, right? Because I thought she was just killing it all. But that's a completely changed. And at Woodford Reserve, a part of what we do is a food tasting uh, with the bourbon to show people that you can really change the finish uh, on a bourbon depending on what you're serving it with. It makes a great pair for things like aged cheese, aged hams. A general rule of thumb I tell people is remember bourbon sits in the barrel for six years if it's a good spirit, at least six to eight years, they lose about 40% of that bourbon to the angel share. It evaporates out of the barrel. So if you think about that in relationship to food, aged Parmesan, aged white cheddar, you know, aged country hams, those kinds of foods that have gone through a dehydration process, 
dried fruits, cherries, apricots. They go great with bourbon. And um, at the same time, bourbon is a great ingredient. So not a, it pairs well, but it's a favorite ingredient of chefs in this area. And you're going to find all kinds of delicious you know, dishes. We do a sorghum vinaigrette with Woodford that's fantastic. But chefs all over the town, you can't go into a restaurant here and not find bourbon on the menu in some form or another in a food product. So it's, it's really fun. Yeah, I can't tell you how many items I've had since I've been here. Bourbon mayonnaise, bourbon sauce. Uh, we just were spending time out at the tracks. We had a bread pudding with bourbon sauce. I mean, it is it really encompasses so many things around here. Why we're talking about different restaurants, of course, we'd like to know a little bit about some of the restaurants. We talked about how many Wida has in town. She's got her hands in a lot here. Maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the restaurants you have here in town. Well, you guys are sitting at Smithtown Seafood, which is our newest restaurant. It's only a month old. It's here in the bread box, and we focus on serving the vegetables and the fish from Food Chain, a nonprofit urban farm that sits just outside the back door of the dish room. And so it's a fish and chips concept, but we also have a lot of vegan and like you're having the lamb poutine right now. We focus on all local meats in all of our restaurants. And a big part of what we're trying to do is break local food out of the prison of fine dining, I call it. But we have a beautiful fine dining restaurant. It's our landmark restaurant called the Holly Hill Inn in Midway, Kentucky. It's a 150-year-old mansion. It's an old, old home. The footprint hasn't changed since 1900. And uh, we're open on the weekends there for dinner and lunch and dinner and Sunday brunch. And then we have two restaurants in the heart of horse country. One is called Wallace Station, which sits on Old Frankfurt Pike, just down from Three Chimneys Farm. It's a beautiful, beautiful scenic drive here in Kentucky. And the other one, which sits on the other side of Horse Country at the corner of Muir Station and Bryan Station called Windy Corner Market. It's a pull boy shop. And again, it focuses all on local pork, local chicken, local beef, local burgers. We have a bakery, and we do all the food for Woodford Reserve Distillery. Yeah, we've got our fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> there are good pies at that. Also, just, you know, talking about the bread box area, this is sort of the new and upcoming area. They've been putting some money revitalized parts of the the building that you're in right now. Tell us a little bit about just this building and kind of the concept and maybe where you're going with some of the other vendors in the building. Well, the bread box is 90,000 square feet. It was an old bread factory. It's been a bakery since the uh, late 1800s in Smithtown, which is the name of this neighborhood. Its most recent incarnation as a bakery was the Rainbow Bread Factory. And I remember visiting it as a kid. They made all the rainbow white bread here. And then it sat as a, a storage facility for a long time. All the windows were boarded up and it's right in the middle of this beautiful neighborhood. So the owners of the bread box have put in this beautiful brewery, Wessex Brewery. The beer is fantastic. And there's not, not only this brewery, but also there's a nonprofit bicycle repair shop here. There's a coffee roaster here. There's going to be a micro distiller here, distilling a little bourbon on the building. The town seafood and also food chain, our nonprofit partner and urban farm. Um, we're selling all their tilapia and lettuce. We're sitting at the end of Jefferson Street. And across the street from us is a really cool new restaurant called County Club. They focus on all local meats and they smoke all their meats. And then as you move down Jefferson, you just will see there's another tap room. There are tap rooms and small. There's a new uh, tapas restaurant and a wine store situated right across the street from each other. And then uh, Grey Goose Pizza. So there's like about six or a half dozen new restaurants up and down Jefferson, all of them independently owned, all of them focusing on locally produced foods. One of my favorites is Stella's Deli. That's an all-local food deli. It's a restaurant that's been, I tried to buy it once years ago, but it's a restaurant that's been in the neighborhood for well over 20 years. And new ownership about five years ago revitalized it. You can get a great lamb burger there. They do all their own baking, you know. So the neighborhood is 
It's a gastro. You can walk up and down Jefferson. You can take a free trolley here. And you're going to be able to sample like four of the craftiest brewers that are in Lexington. You'll be able to sample at least three of them on this corridor. So it's a great place to come in Lexington to kind of see what's new and what's different. Wita, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing all your information for guests that are coming here from out of town. Make sure that you check out our hot sheet at TravelBrigade.com. We will have contact for Wita's restaurants here and also the information that she shared about West 6 in the Bread Box area. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Check out our website, TravelBrigade.com. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade and like us on Facebook. We'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Bourbon. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff Griffin. We've discovered that we not only like the taste of bourbon, we like the taste of it being cooked into foods. And here they do it in just about anything you can think of, and it all tastes so good. Food is a central theme here in Lexington. There is so much of it, so many varieties. And I think it's always fun to come to a destination and get a local flair and flavor for the town that you're in and the culinary background. There's just little treats. You know, bourbon is infused in anything. Some of the desserts like bourbon balls, which is a cream with a bourbon flavoring inside covered in chocolate. I don't know how you can go wrong there. But there's also options like there's a new food tour downtown. Blue Plate Tours is an option you have if you go downtown. It's actually kind of a cross between a historical tour and tasting food along the way, regional and local specialty food. It's kind of a fun twist. You actually get to experience things like local products that are being made and taste things at some really great places, including bourbon bread pudding. How can you go wrong with that? I love food tours because you get a little bit of everything. If you want to do your own food tour, check out Visit Lexington's book, Beyond Grits. I don't, I don't know why we have to go Beyond Grits. They're amazing. But they can be a great starting that's point. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we can't go beyond them, but we have to include them too because they're delicious. Visit Lexington put together a book of the 100 top-rated restaurants on TripAdvisor. Whoever got best votes on there, but these they are put all in independent. Book. And these are all yes, independent, so they can't have not chains. chains. Yes. I no mean, they chains. can have one or two in the area, but they're not like, you won't find Olive Gardens in here. But I mean, it's all local restaurants, local flavor. I, I think it's a great idea, great guide when you're wanting to know, you know, where to eat when you come to a place. Yeah, you can check that out at visitlex.com. If you go to our website, we'll click on today's hot sheet. We've got contact information for all the things we're talking about here. I learned so much during this next interview when we were visiting Buffalo Trace. It was actually really kind of a fun second edition because a couple of years ago, we went to the Jameson Distillery in Ireland and learned about whiskey, but I didn't know that much about bourbon and why it was different. And so I got a little bit of a you know starter course there, and so I didn't go in totally knowing nothing, which I thought was really fun when we went to Buffalo Trace. We learned so much about the bourbon and how it all ties into everything everything, the culture here, this whole bourbon area here in the bluegrass region. It's just a really fun tour to take, as well as just the smells of the yeast. We're actually standing there while they're branding the barrels, and I got a taste of what they call white lightning, which is before they do any aging, and I think my lips burned for like 10 minutes. All I know is I don't even have to go on the tour. I just need to go sit there by that whole area and just take in the smells of the yeast, and it smells like bread baking. I could just sit there 
all day. I don't need any bourbon. I just need to sit there and enjoy the smells around that. <laughs> yeah, Jeff was drinking bourbon like he eats loaf of bread. So if that gives you any idea of how much bourbon Jeff discovered, he likes the bourbon. <laughs> it is a great place to go. We're going to learn so much with our next interview up next. We've got Harlan Wheatley, who is the master distiller at Buffalo Trace Distillery. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Make sure you check out our website, TravelBrigade.com, or follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. And I have to admit, we're already drinking bourbon. We are in Kentucky. We are at Buffalo Trace Distillery. It's a national historic landmark. It smells like a bakery here, which is kind of blows me away. Yeah. You smell the yeast, yeast and the, the corn and, and different things like and that. And I'm going to admit, I just had what they call literal moonshine. I had it before they put it in the barrel, and it's some pretty strong stuff. Here to tell us more about it is Harlan Wheatley. He is the master distiller here at Buffalo Trace, where they make a lot of great products, including bourbon. And Harlan, tell us about how Kentucky and the bourbon culture go hand in hand. The bourbon industry is uh, one of the few industries that you can say goes back a long ways in American history. We've been here since 1773 on this site. And so for us to be able to see buildings being built generations past, we're lucky in that way. And we've built a, a long history of production here. We've got records, uh, you know, all the way back to the Civil War of, of things being produced here and shipped down the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. So we're very connected to the past, and we're one of the few industries in the U.S. that can that can claim that. So. So this whole bourbon culture is around the Lexington area. There's several distilleries. People come here, particularly even to get a feel for the bourbon, to go to different distilleries. Tell us a little bit about how this, you know, how many distilleries are here and different places you can go. Well, that's the other thing. In the last five years or so, there's been kind of an explosion of a lot of micro distilleries across the country, uh, not just in Kentucky, but there right now there are eight rather large production facilities here in Kentucky, distilleries that produce, and we've been producing, most of us, uh, since Prohibition times and even before for us. And then there's a lot of um, smaller distilleries. That, in Lexington, there's uh, Alltech that has started a distillery a few years back, and then there's, uh, I think, an, another one there in downtown Lexington, Blue or, or something that's uh, started up. So there's lots of micro distilleries, a lot of craft People are getting in the industry because the basically the ability to get into it with permits and things have become easier. And so people are just more interested in creating craft distillates and flavors, and it's kind of uh, spread all through the country. And uh, there's literally hundreds of small distilleries all over the country now, so... Tell us a little bit about Buffalo Trace. I think the one thing that's interesting is they actually stayed open during Prohibition and got a medicinal license, which I would like to know how we can get one of those because I think it's pretty cool. But tell us a little bit about the distillery itself, what types of bourbon you make, and just a little bit about the history of Buffalo Trace. 
we're kind of known in the industry for several things, but one of them is diversity. Uh, we're able to produce lots of different style products here, and one of the things we do is we have lots of different types of bourbons. We make rye whiskey. We make bourbons, whether it be rye bourbons or small batch, single barrel. We make weeded bourbons. Uh, we make corn whiskey. We make uh, moonshine. We make a little bit. We make a little bit of vodka. We're very in tune with. Uh, what the customers and people across the country are wanting, and our idea is to match customers' tastes and preferences to our products. And so, you know, that's our goal, to be very diverse and, and deliver good quality products to our customers. As we've toured the facility today, it's been fascinating to learn how this gets made and how the different flavors are brought about and what types of barrels get used, how they can only get used once here, and then other places they get used more. And so tell us a little bit about the differences for those of us who are not so knowledgeable, the differences between bourbon, whiskey, scotch, and what, what is it that makes bourbon so distinct? Bourbon is the only true American spirit. It's protected. You can only make it a certain way. Um, you have to go by the regulations set forth by uh, Congress in 1964. It has to be made in the U.S. It has to be made uh, with at least 51% corn. It can't be distilled higher than 160 proof. And it can only be stored in a new charred oak barrel. The reason for all those is to protect the general flavor of bourbon. Okay, and bourbon is a type of whiskey. So the difference between whiskey and bourbon is whiskey is a category. So there could be bourbon whiskey, there could be scotch whiskey, there could be wheat whiskey. And bourbon is a, is a certain type of whiskey. And it's very protected. You can't add things to it. It has to be natural, straight out of the barrel. The only thing you can add is water. So in all those things put together, it allows you to offer offer a very certain type of bourbon. However, all the distilleries vary things like recipe, distillation, storage techniques, and different ways of aging that bourbon and creating a different flavor within those rules. So as long as you're within the rules, it can be bourbon, but you can create different flavors by changing all the variables. And that's what each distillery does. And they have each of us, all the distilleries that make bourbon, have their own kind of distinct way of producing bourbon. And what we're after is, uh, of course, super high quality. Uh, we're after balance and flavor, sweetness, character. We're also known to have the oldest inventory in the business. So we have all the way up to 23-year-old Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, we start out with three-year-old. And so we have all kinds of ages and all kinds of different styles of bourbon. And, it, and it's all within those rules that I was talking about, but you can offer lots of different styles. So depending on your taste, we, we might have a room full of 100 people. 50 people might like a heavy rye bourbon, or some people might like a heavy, you know, a heavy wheat bourbon. So it just depends on the, the flavor, and that's why we offer all those different styles. Another thing that's really amazing here in Lexington is the whole horse culture. We've been talking about racing, food, going to the tracks, doing different things, and you you can't really separate bourbon and the horse culture. So tell us a little bit about how that comes together. A lot of people associate Kentucky with horses, and then they also associate it with bourbon. So no matter where you travel in the world, they know those two things. They do go hand in hand. There's a long history of the bourbon industry basically saving the uh, horse racing industry uh, back when uh, 
the Derby got you know was just getting going, uh, Kentucky Derby. So we're we're very connected. I think a good day for a, a tourist or even somebody from Kentucky to come to a distillery for a tour and then finish it up with the horse races in the afternoon. Can't get much more Kentuckian than that. So as a matter of fact, that's how we spent our day or spending our day. We're here at the distillery and then we're heading off to the tracks for the rest of the day. So it is a great Kentucky day. We would be remiss. If we did not ask you, a master distiller, what is your favorite way to have bourbon? Generally, my favorite way is um, bourbon on the rocks, a splash of water, uh, just to dilute it down. I like generally cocktails that the majority of the flavor is the bourbon. I'm not a big uh, heavy cocktail person, but if I but if I have a cocktail, it's a Manhattan. Old fashions are really good, but I have found that every bartender makes them a little differently. So I like consistency. And if I walk into a bar that I'm not familiar with the bartender, I will get bourbon on the rocks because I know that's consistent. So And make sure it's Buffalo Trace bourbon on the rocks. Thank you so much, Harlan. We will post information about Buffalo Trace and how to contact them and how to get to their website on our hot sheet. Just go to travelbrigade.com, click on the hot sheet link for today's episode and you'll be able to get there you've been listening to travel brigade your weekly travel and destination show check out our website travelbrigade.com and follow us on twitter at travel brigade we will be right back questions or comments for the travel brigade tweet them at travel brigade Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin in the bluegrass region of Kentucky, Lexington. We just heard an interview with Buffalo Trace, and Buffalo Trace is one of six bourbons of the bluegrass. Um, There are six different distilleries in and around the Lexington area. If you want to find out how to do a tour of the whole group of them, go to visitlex.com. Again, we'll have that link up on our hot sheet for today's episode. You can go to places like Woodford Reserve, Wild Turkey, all of those. Pace yourself, people. Pace yourself. The bourbon is good, but you do start drinking quite early in the morning if you start doing all those breweries. (laughs) So you got to make sure you're here for at least a week to hit all those and get the horses in, like everything else we talked about. Another way you can get around to them is to do what's called the Bourbon Chase, which is a team race of 200 miles, nine different distilleries, I believe, throughout Kentucky. And you have people running from distillery to distillery as part of a 12-person team. They take turns, and it's a 24-hour race, and then you finish up in Lexington on Saturday night. True, and it's so popular that it sells out, I think this year, in 36 hours. And that's something that's held in the fall every year, and they do that on a full moon because the racers run all night long. And we were joking around with one of the racers we talked to. Jeff was saying, they make you drink bourbon when you go to the distilleries. And they're like, they don't make us drink bourbon. They just want to drink bourbon. But it's just a really fun build activity. We saw some of the racers and they were all dressed up, just having a really great time. So that's another uh, way here they celebrate the bourbon culture. Coming up, we are going to go over to Shaker Village, which is a really cool place that's kind of a historic place celebrating the Shaker community that was here in the 19th and early 20th century. Now it's been turned into a historical village. We're going to be interviewing David Larson about some of the great food that you can enjoy while you're at Shaker Village. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. Check us out on our website, travelbrigade.com, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. We have been enjoying lovely hospitality here in the south and Lexington. We're now outside of Lexington and Shaker Village. It is a Shaker community that has been revitalized and turned into a historical society. There's also a bed and breakfast, restaurants, lots of activities during the day. And if you come with the notion that the Shakers are just like the Quakers, like I did, you will get an education as well. One of the great things here and everywhere we've been in and around the Lexington area is the food and the bourbon culture and how they kind of tie together. We're talking today with David Larson, who is with Shaker Village, but has also uh, worked as a chef with distilleries here in the area. David, tell us, what are some of the classic Kentucky dishes that people might want to try when they come to Kentucky? Uh, I had never had a a hot brown until I got here. We didn't even know what a hot brown was. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Tell us about some of those classic dishes. I don't think anybody can come to Kentucky and not without associating it with fried chicken. Fried chicken, well, it's one of the most simple things to, to make. It's also one of the most difficult because when it's made correctly, you're not really hiding it behind much artifice. It just has to be perfectly seasoned and perfectly cooked. You know, here at Shaker Village, we've probably cooked six million chickens, so I think it's something we've got down pat. It needs to look beautiful. It needs to be crispy. And, of course, you have to start with wonderful Kentucky chickens. So that, that's a good thing. I think that, that that is certainly one of the things. I think another Kentucky dish that people always associate with Shaker Village of Pleasant Hill would be corn pudding. And corn pudding is, in other societies, would be called a corn souffle. Uh, it's definitely not sweet made with fresh corn, and it's a delightfully airy dish. Also here at Pleasant Hill, we serve salsify. Salsify is an old-fashioned vegetable, root vegetable, harvested this time of the year. You never really see it anymore, but it was historically a dish that was oftentimes seen on southern tables. We do that. I know you're you're not here during the season, but Kentucky is known for really wonderful tomatoes. Here at Shaker Village, we had 400 tomato plants this year, and we served an awful lot of fabulous tomatoes. We actually had our first fried green tomato yesterday, so that was actually really fun being here and doing that. And, you know, I'm now living on apples and for breakfast and grits and all sorts of amazing food that I don't want to know the caloretic or the fat content, but I don't care. It's amazing food. And um, one of the things that we found kind of interesting is sort of the mixture, because Kentucky is a bourbon culture, there's distilleries here, there's places you can go and try different types of bourbon, but how that sort of infuses into the food. Bourbon is certainly a big part of, of, of the Kentucky cuisine scene and always has been. And, you, you know, each society seems to have their particular alcohol they use as a flavor enhancer. Of course, in France, it's cognac, and bourbon does much the same thing. Bourbon is a flavor enhancer. People always think that bourbon can only be used in a, a sweet application, and that's not true. I liken bourbon to cinnamon. Cinnamon is a wonderful, complex, strong flavor, but inherently cinnamon is not sweet. It complements sweet things. Bourbon is much the same. Bourbon and shrimp 
go together beautifully. Bourbon and almost any kind of cheese go to well together. Bourbon and mushrooms, well, you've got to try that. That's really wonderful. And I think that people in this area of the Upper South, and especially in Kentucky, where we've got great limestone soil, which makes the bourbon, the water that makes the bourbon so good, people have always turned to bourbon as a flavor enhancer in, in food. Yeah, yesterday we were at uh, Jonathan at Gratz Park, and we had some amazing mayonnaise with the bourbon infusion and fries, of course, fried in pork grease. And, and he took some traditional favorites and kind of did a flair, but they had a lot of infusion with the bourbon culture here. And I think it's just a really amazing sort of experience that you can't get anywhere else except for here in Kentucky. Particularly in Lexington, there's this just really infusion of culture between the horses, the bourbon, the food, and it's just a, a really fun experience. And tell us a little bit more. We're here at, at Shaker Village, a little bit about the food here and kind of the inspiration for the food here at Shaker. I think that we serve um, Kentucky vernacular Kentucky cuisine here. One of the things we try to do is not to get too fancy. We just want the food to be really good. When I say don't get too fancy, that doesn't mean that the preparation is always easy, and that doesn't mean that the flavors cannot be incredibly complex because they are. You know, we serve things like a hard-boiled egg in a consomme aspic on anchovy toast, which is basically a very simple dish, but it has extremely complex flavors in it. We make a wonderful bourbon vinaigrette that we serve over fresh fruit and limestone lettuce. That's terrific. We take extreme care with any kind of meat that we serve here. We buy only the best quality we can get. We like to locally source everything we possibly can. We handle it very little, and we prepare it well. Uh, that's that's the philosophy the Shakers had. We want to have plenty, and as the Shakers would say, we want to make you kindly welcome. We welcome any and all comers to our table. And, you know, hospitality is really what makes it all work well together, I think. I think our food is really beautiful here. We're so lucky to have this big vegetable garden, and it's been so bountiful this year. We've had a variety of all kinds of things, beans, squash, corn, tomatoes, onions, carrots, lettuces, greens, uh, you name it, we've had it. And it's just been a pleasure to work with these wonderful ingredients. When When you've got fresh things and you're working in harmony with the earth you know your things are harvested they're coming into your kitchen and then they're you're feeding people in this hospitable manner it's a harmonious way to live your life and go about your work and i think that that's the spirit that the shakers left us everyone who works here and everyone who eats here feels well we feel it the food was great we've had a great experience you can either come here and spend the night there's amazing hotel bed and breakfast that are here in the different properties around shaker village you can come out here and dine or hang out for the day it's just a, a fun place about half an hour outside of lexington We'll have information about Shaker Village on our website. Just go there, travelbrigade.com. Click on the hot sheet for today's show. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here in Lexington. We are having a great time with our southern hospitality, with our horse racing, with our bourbon, and our food. You just heard our interview with Shaker Village. We had a great meal there. We had 
great meals pretty much everywhere we went here. We had a really good dinner at Cole's one night, which kind of does a lot of gourmet things, takes a lot of southern things and turns them gourmet. We also ate breakfast at the Track Kitchen, which we mentioned before. The Track Kitchen is at the Keeneland Racetracks, and that's actually a place that you can go in the morning where the jockeys and the trainers are all there when they're out working their horses. And they actually come in and have breakfast, and you're sitting right there with people that are on million-dollar horses winning million-dollar purses. We also had some innovative things at Smithtown Seafood that we really enjoyed. And then we got to see a new twist on some of the traditional Kentucky dishes when we went to Jonathan at Gratz Park. And coming up, we've got an interview with Jonathan Lundy, who is the Jonathan. I've never had so many innovative things with grits. He actually made grits fries with pimento cheese, which was just really amazing. I'd never had it in that way. And some bourbon mayonnaise that... mm, I still have that taste in my mouth. Coming up next, our interview with Jonathan. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and at TravelBrigade.com. We will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here in Lexington having an amazing meal. And I have to say, finishing it off with a nice glass of bourbon. Let's say a sip of bourbon That's since true. it's only the afternoon. That's true. It is a sip. <laughs> We're just sipping the bourbon, but it's so delicious. One of the things I love when we travel is when you go to an area and you want to try their traditional dishes. And then on top of that, they take it and they sort of redefine it and do something new with it, with the traditional dish. That's what we had here today at Jonathan at Gratz Park. Here to tell us more about it is the chef and the owner, Jonathan Mundy. Welcome, Jonathan. Jonathan, we had a great lunch. And what was fun about it is we're still learning about what some of those traditional foods are. So I want to start off with, before we know what the twist is, we need to know what the traditional Lexington and Kentucky type food that you can get here. I like to say that the um, more traditional bluegrass regional foods tend to be a lot of grits, green tomatoes used a lot, country ham, bourbon particular dishes uh, hot browns are real famous for the area and we twist off those uh, we get tons of local fresh produce meats not much seafood but uh, we do the best we can for those of you who might be wondering what a hot brown is i had one for lunch and it's just this beautiful combination of meat bread and a cheese sauce on top. If you haven't tried it, your life isn't complete until you've had one. We also noticed you're partnering a lot with the bourbon industry here in Lexington. I always sort of have this chicken and egg question. Did the chefs come here to cook foods to pair with the bourbon, or did the bourbon makers come here to make bourbon to pair with the food? What what comes first? Okay, what kind of came first is being in high school, drinking Jim Beam and Ale 8. <laughs> That's how that, I was more in, I've always been interested in bourbon, and as I grew into a chef, cooked, it just seemed like a natural progression of where to go. We obviously have some wine here, wine production here, but it's not what really stands out. Um, so just from a passion of the bourbon is where my experience comes from. Tell us a little bit about some of the dishes you have here. We just had some, like Jeff said, some really great ones, but tell us a couple of traditional dishes and then twist it into something that you've done with a new sauce or a different way to prepare it. Uh, I tell you, one of the oldest twists of dishes that we have here, we have country ham potstickers, and I serve them with a peach 
sweet and sour, and a bourbon soy dipping sauces. So basically we went with the pretty typical idea of an Asian pot sticker focusing on the country ham. Another twist or dish that we've manipulated. We often have plenty of uh, the whole French idea of uh, frits and mayonnaise. So after uh, we actually had a, a, a French restaurant open very close to me and Alexa was like, oh, excited about it and very busy. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. So I made um, pimento cheese grit fries. And I served that with a fire-roasted banana pepper mayonnaise and a green tomato piccalilli. That's another dish that we've kind of manipulated. Uh, maybe another example is on the menu currently there is uh, there's seared sea scallops. And we make a curry sauce, but it's with a boiled peanuts and collard greens. Uh, most everything tends to have a base here and somehow reaching out. Not a huge fan of the word fusion because it kind of means other things. But, but it, it has been, this restaurant has been termed blue grass fusion. Like I said, once, once again, I don't really like that statement or use it very much, but it, I think it does give a pretty good idea of how I try to have one foot grounded here and then also reaching out at the same time to bring other influences and to here to make it a little bit more exciting. I mean, I grew up with all this stuff, so sometimes it was like, you know, I was kind of bored with it a little bit. So I was just trying to manipulate it and change it a little bit. A lot of restaurants we know do wine pairing dinners. Tell us a little bit about some of the special dinners that you do here throughout the year and pairing that with bourbon and and how that all kind of came together and what people can expect if they want to come and do one of these special dinners. Well, the first thing they need to expect is they need someone to drive them home. First of all, because they can be pretty aggressive, but the hard part with pairing the bourbon is there's, I don't know, maybe 10 different words, maybe 15 different words that you could use to describe different bourbons. So it's kind of narrow. It's not as wide ranging as wine. There's only so much experimentation you can take. And, and a lot of proof levels also has a big part of what you can get away with. I mean, if you're working with something that's really big and very high in proof, then you have to you have to find something that's going to stand up to it so you, that you can taste after you've sipped that. So those are kind of some of the, the points of each one's a little bit different and that, you know, they could fall in different times of the year. And, you know, so I don't know, they just kind of all fall together, you know. We noticed you actually use different parts of used bourbon barrels to smoke things, to cook on, to tell us a little bit about how you're taking those bourbon barrels and incorporating them into what you do. There's three ways currently I can think of that. One, we use um, bungs that uh, are given to me from the Maker's Mark Distillery. They're uh, made of walnut, and they've been in contact with bourbon between five and seven years. I'm sorry, five and nine years, depending on their blending. They they use a drill, and they drill right in to remove it, and it destroys it, and they go into a big tub, and they sip them to me. But I use those and have for the past ten years where I use those to smoke, uh, anywhere from bacon to fish to... I don't know, whatever we want to smoke. Another another area, we also take some of the um, charred French oak staves that are used in the Maker's Mark 46 production and use that to roast salmon, much like you would with uh, a cedar plank. And then another aspect that I can think of how we use is used a uh, nine-year-old Heaven Hill barrel and stored 40 gallons of cider vinegar in it for a year. And that was really interested in how it changed that, mellowed it out real well. Uh, another thing we started doing this summer was I was uh, getting barrel char, the charred up pieces when they dumped the barrel. From I got it from Willet and from Jim Beam at one point. And I've aged soy sauce in that for like 48 hours and then strained it out through coffee filters. And I've also done it with maple syrup and strain it out. They had changes a lot. You get uh, big tannins, big wood, big toast. 
Then I've certainly been uh, made fun of or criticized for my repetitive use of bourbon on the menu. Well, we love the bourbon on the menu, and we love the bourbon glasses that we're having here and the little bourbon that we're having after lunch. If you want a great meal, come here to Jonathan at Gratz Park. We will have the information on our hot sheet for today's episode. We also want to tell you Jonathan has his own cookbook, Jonathan's Bluegrass Table. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. They don't always agree, but they always seem to have the reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here live in Lexington, Kentucky, enjoying bourbon, food, and of course, the horses. Today's episode has been focused on the bourbon and the dining aspects of Lexington, and it's come to the time in the show when we pick our three favorites. For He Said, She Said, She Said goes first. One of my top picks here in Lexington, we had a whole show we did on the horse tracks, but one of the things we didn't talk about, Keeneland, is the food. And I have to say, I saw people standing in line for it. I heard about it before I came, but it is the bread pudding with a beautiful bourbon sauce, served nice and warm. I ate the bread pudding and quite frankly I really as much as I tell the kids the mini me's not to lick the bowl I was right there getting that sauce every last drop my number three was a tie between the lamb poutine at Smithtown Seafood and the hot brown I had at Jonathan at Gratz Park. Both excellent. My number two is the use of grits. I've had grits before for breakfast on the side, but I've never had grits the way I have here. We had a shrimp and grits platter at Kohl's where the grits took a different form, I have to say. And then, of course, at Jonathan's, like I mentioned, but I had no idea you could do so many fun and innovative things with grits. My number two was just the smell that surrounded the Buffalo Trace Distillery. There's so much yeast involved that it just smells like bread baking, a whole big area. I could just sit outside and enjoy it. My number one here in Lexington is the flavor of bourbon. I love the bourbon flavor. I had uh, Jonathan's bourbon mayonnaise. We had bourbon in so many different things on the side, infused. It's everything everywhere here in Lexington. Forget the bourbon flavor. I just go straight for the bourbon, and that's my number one. A lot of uh, great bourbons here, of course. We've had a great time here in Lexington. Next week, we'll be off to another great destination. In the meantime, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, please join us next week. Make sure and check out our website, TravelBrigade.com, for all your Lexington travel planning. We've had a great time here in this beautiful southern hospitality city. Enjoy the trip, and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.